What's up, young and profiters? Today's episode is pulling one from the archives featuring Emily Fletcher, a leading expert in meditation for high performance, who began her career on Broadway and now runs Ziva Meditation. Did you know that meditation can help you cure insomnia, reverse the signs of aging, and even make you smarter? Tune into this classic episode with Emily Fletcher to learn the biological benefits of meditation, the difference between mindfulness and meditation, and learn how you can fit meditation into your everyday busy life. Without further ado, here's my conversation with the lovely Emily Fletcher. Hey, Emily, welcome to Young and Profiting Podcast. I'm so excited to have you on. Two things everybody wants to be, right? Young and profiting. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So, Emily, to give you an introduction to our listeners, you are really known to be a leading expert in meditation for high performance. And after researching and digging around about your background, I see that high performance is not the only performance that you're familiar with. Before all your success with Ziva, you were competing in beauty pageants and you were even a Broadway performer for 10 years. So what were these experiences like on stage and how did it lead you to start Ziva? I love that you found out about, I was Florida's junior miss in 1997, which everything in in me dies when you say beauty pageants. And this is just so funny because it's really just semantics, but this was a scholarship program and it was, it's the largest scholarship program for women besides sports in the U S and I just have to say there's no bathing suit, there's no evening gown and (laughs) 25% of it is your test scores. 25% of it is your interview. And, but anyway, yes, I was Florida's junior miss and it paid for my college. Uh, which was really exciting and it was competitive but when I went to nationals it made me really raise my expectations and my standards for myself because the average GPA at America's Junior Miss was Mm 4.7 there was you know kickers of the football teams and people who had played you know first chair at Clinton's inaugural ceremony and and so it was just it was really cool because I was a big fish in a small pond in my hometown Mm -hmm. and to go and get to see other other big fish was good for me at that age of of 17 or 18. And then, yes, I was on Broadway for 10 years, which was amazing and very competitive. But I did 42nd Street, The Producers, Chicago, A Chorus Line, Mm -hmm. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And it was awesome. And I loved it. But I realized pretty early on that I was more interested in the happiness of pursuit than I was the pursuit Mm -hmm. of happiness. Yeah. And, you know, I did that for about 10 years and, and it wasn't until a chorus line so I found meditation and then my life really took a different direction and changed. Yeah. Let's talk about that story. I listened to other interviews you were on and podcasts and this really resonated with me and I think it shared a really great lesson about stress and how meditation can actually help relieve stress. So can you tell the story about how stressed out you were and how, you know, Broadway, even though it was your dream, it was actually aging you and stressing you out and how you ended up finding meditation as a solution? Sure. So Like I said, my last Broadway show was a chorus line, and my role was to understudy three of the leading characters. So that means when you show up to work at night, you have no idea which character you're going to play or if you're even going to be on stage at all. And sometimes I would just be sitting in my dressing room doing my taxes, and someone would get on a loudspeaker and say, Emily Fletcher, we need you on stage. And so I run down seven flights of stairs, a dresser throws me in a costume, and I'm on stage before I know which character I'm playing. And that constant state of fight or flight, that constant state of anxiety just led to me having insomnia for about Mm -hmm. 18 months. I could not sleep through the night. I then started going gray in my late 20s. I started getting sick and injured and it was very confusing why I was living my dream, why I was doing the thing I had wanted to do since I was a child, but I was miserable. Mm. And thankfully the woman sitting next to me in the dressing room was understudying five of the leads, including Cassie, and this woman was crushing. Every song, every dance, every bite of food this woman ate was a celebration. Mm. And I was like, excuse me, what do you know? 
know that I don't know. And she said, I meditate, to which I promptly rolled my eyes and didn't believe her because this is 11 years ago. So it was not the neuroscience then that there is now. Mm-hmm. And so I just kept going gray, having insomnia and sucking at my job. And then finally, I was so embarrassed about my performance. I felt so far from the version of me that had moved to New York, believing I could do whatever I wanted to do, that I thought I have to try something. So I went along to this intro to meditation talk. I liked what I heard. I signed up for this four-day course. And on the first day of the first course, I was meditating. Mm. To be honest, I didn't know what that meant, but I was in a different state of consciousness than I had ever been in, and I liked it. And then that night, I slept through the night for the first time in 18 months. And I have every night since, and that was 11 years ago. Wow. And then I stopped getting sick. I didn't get sick for eight and a half years. I stopped going gray. I started enjoying my job again. And I thought, why does everyone not do this? So I left Broadway, went to India, and started what became a three-year training process to teach. And then since graduating, I've taught over 20,000 people to meditate. We started the world's first online meditation training, which is now called Ziva Online. And it's just been such a fun journey to be able to use this lifetime of experience and performance, but now translate it into something that is really quickly and profoundly helping others to perform at the top of their game. That's amazing. And I'm sure it was really hard to like pick up and go to India for three years to learn meditation. You trained your whole life to be a dancer. And like, how did you get the courage to kind of just leave that all behind and start something totally new? What was that like? Well, to be honest, it sounds more dramatic and abrupt than it was it was more gradual than that like I was not in India that whole time I trained for three years and the training was super intense but I was not in India the whole time it was 18 hours a week of meditation it was thousands of hours of apprenticing hundreds of hours of transcribing books by hand in Sanskrit but the first time I went to India it was just for my own personal like education I just wanted to go to the source of the knowledge I just want to deepen my practice and it was Mm -hmm. when I was in India that's when I knew I I had to become a teacher like it there was this crazy experience when we were like crossing a bridge on at dawn to meditate on the Ganges and it was like time kind of folded in on itself and a version of me from India like went back to a previous version of me and was like hey you have to come here so anyway it was in India that I decided I would teach but I just thought it would be later when I'm done acting when I'm done dancing Mm. like later and so I came back and I actually moved to LA thinking I would switch industries and kind of move into TV and film and then it was my second day in LA that I ran into a teacher who I'd met in India and so it just kept unfolding and unfolding and then I moved to New York to be with my now husband And all the while, I'm thinking, oh, I'll act and teach meditation. Like, I'll keep acting and I'll keep teaching meditation. And then it became clearer and clearer where nature wanted to use me. Like, my agents would be like, hey, Emily, we need more headshots and resumes. And I would be like, yeah, yeah, no problem. And then three months would go by. I'd teach 300 people to meditate, and I wouldn't have ever given them any headshots or resumes. Yeah. (laughs) And so finally, it just all came to a tipping point where... There was one week where I was in final callbacks to play Velma in the musical Chicago on Broadway. And then I was also opening up the East Coast division of an acting school, the number one acting school in L.A. And I was launching the world's first online meditation training all in one week. And I was like, oh, nobody wins here. And that was the week I called my agents and I was like, I love you guys so much, but this is not where my heart is anymore. And then I went all in on Ziva. So it took a few years for me Mm -hmm. to finally lovingly say goodbye to acting and thank god i was moving towards the positive and not away from the negative like i was moving towards something that i loved more and not away from acting because i think had i done that i would have regretted it for the rest of my life i think that's so inspiring and so impressive and i think a big lesson for everybody on the line listening is that sometimes like when you're growing up you have an idea of what you're going to do for the rest of your life and it's okay after, you know, you try it out, you do it, if you want to pivot into something else, like, that's okay. And there's so many successful people who have changed careers later in life and who have became like, extremely successful like yourself. Ziva is a very catchy name. I'm wondering, where did the name come from? So Ziva is a Sanskrit word that means bliss. And it is a Hebrew name that means one who is radiant or kind. And I remember when I was 
in my teacher training, meditating hours and hours a week. And I was on the phone once with my then boyfriend, now husband, and I was starting my website. And even though I was still in teacher training, I wanted to get the wheels in motion for starting the company. And I was like, I I just have to decide on a name. And I was coming up with all these ridiculous names. And he said, why don't you just make up a word? And I was like, I'm not making up a word. He (laughs) said, well, look at Google, Yahoo, Akamai. You know, these are just kind of like sounds. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. And then in the middle of my meditation, I just had this epiphany. I was like, oh, I should use the Sanskrit word for bliss. And so then I went to the computer and I looked up Sanskrit for bliss. And it turns out there's 14 different words in Sanskrit for bliss, which I think is funny. <laughs> then I looked up Ziva. That one stood out to me. And then I looked it up and I saw that it was also a Hebrew name, a feminine name, which means radiance or kindness. And I was like, well, that's the winner. Oh, that's so pretty. Let's get back to the benefits of meditation. So before you were saying that meditation cured your gray hair. So essentially it reversed your aging. There's testimonials on your website that say that meditation is more effective for cancer than chemotherapy and is even helping women over 40 get pregnant. So that's pretty insane to hear that. I had no idea that there was so much medical benefits from meditation. So can you tell us what meditation does for us on a biological level and on a cellular level? Sure. So meditation did help me to reverse my gray. I was going gray in my 20s. I'm 40 now and I don't, I have like two gray hairs, but I was wow. I was really going gray in my 20s. So it has slowed that down tremendously. And it's we have lots and lots of Ziva babies popping up all over the place with lots of people over 40. However, I just want to clarify on the cancer piece is that I think what that testimony was meaning to communicate is that meditation helped her to experience her cancer and helped her while she was going through chemotherapy. It helped her mm. to recover from her chemo. But I don't want to, you know, false advertise and and say that meditation can be more effective than chemo. I don't think meditation will cure cancer, but I do think that meditation can help your immune system function Mm. as it was meant. And so if your body has a chance of curing, you know, we want to support the immune system as as much as we can. Um, But a lot of people are using it to help combat the ill effects of cancer treatments. Got it. Yes. So what's happening, if we want to understand why meditation can help with all these physical things, because a lot of people put it in the mental bucket, they think, oh, well, meditation is just like a cute mental thing that I'll get around to when I have more time. (laughs) But actually, there's a huge host of physical benefits as well. And if we want to understand them, we have to understand what stress is doing to the body. So if we were to cut back 10,000 years, say we're hunting and gathering in the woods, a tiger jumps out with the intent to kill us, then your body launches into a series of chemical reactions. So digestion floods with acid to shut down digestion because we can't afford to waste that energy digesting when we need to fight or flee from the tiger. That acid will then seep onto your skin so that you don't taste very good if you get bitten into. And it is that acidity on your skin that prematurely ages us. So if this is the young and profitable you know, podcast, then nothing can change your chronological age, but meditation can can reverse your biological age mm. by somewhere between 8 to 15 years. Wow. And that's according to science from Tufts and Wake Forest University. And it really is, it's the eradication of that acidity on your skin that makes your skin more elastic. And then the other thing that happens when that tiger jumps out at you is that your bladder and bowels evacuate so you can be light on your feet. Your immune system goes to the back burner because who cares if you're going to get cancer if you're about to be killed by a tiger. Your vision will narrow. Your adrenaline and cortisol levels increase, which... You know, we at this point we're pretty aware of what that cocktail of stress hormones are doing to us. But it, again, it's the equivalent of dumping acid in your brain and body all day. It just prematurely mm-hmm. breaks everything down if it's chronic. Yeah. So the series of fight or flight, you know, reactions. There's a very helpful if your demands are predators, but if your demands are in-laws or deadlines or red-eye flights or traffic then the fight or flight thing has become maladaptive. It's now disallowing us from performing at the top of our game. It's making us not like each other. It's wreaking havoc on our bodies. And so what we want to do is we want to start meditating. Now, within 30 to 45 seconds of you starting Ziva, the adrenaline and cortisol starts to clear from your brain and body, and you start flooding your brain and body with dopamine and serotonin, which are alkaline in nature. So this is nice because it's the same reason you drink a green juice or eat a salad. It would be the same reason you'd want to meditate is that you want the body to be more alkaline in nature. And an alkaline body is more hospitable host for having a baby. It is better for healing all disease. 
you start to decrease that chronic inflammation, which we know is the basis for all chronic disease. And so it's pretty profound, the, the benefits that can happen from this practice. Let's hold that thought and take a quick break with our sponsors. Young and profiters, they may call me the podcast princess, but I'm also the LinkedIn queen. I've been a LinkedIn influencer for six years now, and I teach one of the most popular courses about LinkedIn. And I love to teach sales on LinkedIn because when it comes to B2B sales, LinkedIn has got that on lock. LinkedIn is where all the decision makers are hanging out. There are 180 million senior level decision makers on LinkedIn and 10 million C-suite decision makers. These people are on LinkedIn and they're in the mode to buy. They're using LinkedIn for their buying journey to research vendors or sales reps that they might work with, to look up how to solve their problems, to learn from industry thought leaders. They are in the mode to buy, whereas on other platforms, they're in the mode to be entertained. You want to get them in the right mindset. You want to cut through the noise with LinkedIn ads. In fact, 79% of B2B marketers rate LinkedIn as their top channel for paid media. And LinkedIn has the best targeting because they've got all these different inputs. People are putting their resume basically up on there. And so there's so many keywords that they can use to target the right decision makers so they can hear about how you solve their problems. And I've got a special gift for all you young and profiters who wanna try LinkedIn ads. You can get $100 credit. LinkedIn was super generous. If you wanna make B2B marketing everything it can be and get $100 credit on your next campaign, go to linkedin.com slash yap, Y-A-P. Again, if you want to claim your credit, go to linkedin.com slash yap. Terms and conditions apply. Young and profiters, as you may know, I launched my LinkedIn Secrets Masterclass a little bit over a year ago. It was my first course. And so far, I've generated well over $500,000. And the best part is I didn't have to figure out how to set up my mastermind subscriptions, how to do abandoned cart targeting and all of that tech geeky stuff. I just left that all to Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. And if you're in that, I need to sell more with less stage. Shopify magic is your AI superpowered sidekick ready to whip up captivating content that converts. And it doesn't matter if you're selling digital products or vegan cosmetics. Shopify helps you sell anything anywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Stop those online window shoppers in their tracks and turn them into loyal customers with the internet's best converting checkout. I'm talking 36% better on average compared to the other options out there. It's no wonder Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, including huge global brands like Allbirds and Thrive Cosmetics. It took me a day to set up my Shopify store. I set up chat, took two minutes, and I was done. One month from thinking of the idea to implementation, a year later, I've made half a million dollars on the idea. That's what it takes in 2024, just a good idea. And then utilizing a platform like Shopify that can help you make it a reality. There is no excuse these days. If you've got a good business idea and you think you'll be a good entrepreneur, you don't have to wait any longer. You don't have to be super techie and you never have to worry about figuring it out on your own. Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash profiting. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash profiting now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash profiting. And so how does stress play into all of this? It seems like your number one enemy for meditation or the thing that you're solving for really is curing people's stress. So can you just explain how stress makes us, I think you say slow, stupid, and sick. Yeah. So yeah, stress is making us stupid, sick, and slow because we're wasting so many cycles preparing for that imaginary tiger attack. The thing is the human body hasn't evolved fast enough to catch up with modern day demands. You know, our demands and technology and medicine, it's all changing much faster than our biology can evolve. And so even though we have modern day demands, we're still having ancient stress reactions. You know, the body, mm -hmm. even though your kids are screaming in the next room, 
if you're overwhelmed, then your body is going to think it's preparing for a tiger. And then you lose your temper on your kids and then you feel terrible about yourself or you flip somebody off in traffic because you were just at your wits end and then they rear end your car. And then you're like, oh, now I have to go to the mechanic and that's going to cost me more money. And so like the fight or flight thing, it's just not relevant anymore for most of our demands. If you get jumped in a back alleyway, please get stressed. You know, that's an appropriate time to get stressed. If you need to lift a car off of a baby, please get stressed. Mm -hmm. And it's not bad for us to get stressed. It's the staying stressed that's killing us. It is this chronic low-grade fight or flight that is making us stupid, sick, and slow. And this is why, by the way, people say, well, exercise is my meditation or cooking Mm -hmm. is my meditation. It's like, no, it's not. Exercise is called exercise and cooking is called cooking. (laughs) That's definitely what I say, too. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Now, the reason why people say that is that they're saying, well, exercise relaxes me. Cooking relaxes me. And that's fine. But the really important distinction here is that exercise is only good enough to handle your stress from today. So your boss yells at you, you launch into fight or flight, you go to the gym, you get on the treadmill and you outrun the tiger or your kids freak out and do something. And then you get mad and you go to the gym and you box it out. So you're burning off today's stress chemicals. But where this is really fascinating is that we don't just have stress from today. We have a backlog of accumulated stresses from every single time we've ever launched into fight or flight in our whole lives. Mm. Okay, so every time you've ever been stressed, it's left a little open window on your brain computer. It's called a premature cognitive commitment or a PCC. And by the time the average adult is 20, we have about 10 million of those open windows on our brain computer. Mm. And it is all those open windows, all those old stresses, that's what's slowing us down. That's what's making us stupid and slow and so what the meditation does is that and specifically ziva here is that we go in and we de-excite the nervous system we create order in the body you give your body rest that is five times deeper than sleep and so then on the other side of this meditation you're not only more awake but because you've de-excited your nervous system you've created order in your cells and that lifetime of accumulated stresses that we have in our cellular and now we even know in our epigenetic memory those things can start to come up and out those stresses start to leave the building and it is the eradication of the backlog of stresses from our past that's what makes us smart that's what makes us fast that's what Mm -hmm. makes us more intuitive which is why meditators report getting more done in less time. Yeah. You make meditation sound so wonderful. I really want to get into it. So this getting rid of stress in the body, from my understanding, that also helps improve your sleep. Is that correct? Yes. Because for a lot of us, we're using sleep as a form of stress release. For most of us, sleep is the most effective form of rest that we have. And so when you give your body rest, it knows how to heal itself. So you lay down, you give your body a little bit of rest, body starts healing itself from stresses. And then as the body starts releasing stresses, the mind is going to launch into activity, which is thought. And so you lay down, got a little bit of rest, your brain goes off to the races, and then it's 6am and you haven't slept a wink. That's what insomnia is. Mm. And so what we do when we add meditation in is we use the meditation as a time for stress release every day, twice a day. And then our body bodies can use sleep as a time for sleep. So our sleep becomes more efficient. We feel more rejuvenated and rested on the other side. And ultimately, after a while, most people need less of it. That's very interesting. Mm. Let's talk about some other benefits. I think a little known fact is that meditation can improve sex. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. No one's talking about it because they think meditation is for monks. And they're like, well, I shouldn't be thinking at all. (laughs) And I certainly shouldn't be thinking about sex because I should be monastic, right? If I want to meditate. But there's different types of meditation. Some is made for monks, but Ziva is made for people like us, people with busy minds and busy lives and people who, you know, maybe like having sex with people or like, you know, making money and living in society. And really, this goes back to the same fight or flight tiger thing. Like if you're being attacked by a tiger, if your body is in danger, your life is being threatened, then really what the body has to focus on is your own meat suit survival. It's not interested in procreation. It's not interested in next generations. And so if you're in this chronic fight or flight thing, you always think there's a tiger looming over your shoulder. Procreation is going to go way to the back burner. Pleasure even will go way to the back burner because your senses dampen when you're stressed. Because who wants to feel the tiger fangs as they, you know, pierce into your throat? It's like your body will deaden and dampen your taste, your 
smell, your sight, all of that mm. stuff changes when we're chronically stressed. And so what a lot of people report is when they start meditating, it's like it's wiping the stress away from their lens of perception and their senses get heightened. They see things more clearly, they taste more strongly, they smell more strongly, their sense of touch becomes heightened. And because you're increasing your baseline level of bliss, because your, your dopamine and serotonin levels raise just as your baseline, then it stands to reason that when you're engaging in pleasurable activity, that that would also get more pleasurable. You're also less tired because 40% of American cohabitating adults report that the number one reason they don't have as much sex as they want to is that they're too tired. Mm -hmm. And if meditation is giving you rest that's five times deeper than sleep, and it only takes 15 minutes, then it's like for 15 minute meditation, it's the equivalent of an hour long nap. Mm. And so imagine taking an hour nap at five o'clock in the afternoon. Is it more likely that you would have energy for sex when you come home? Like for most of us, the answer is yes. Yeah, that's so interesting. I'm sure you're motivating so many people who are listening to start meditating. It's very exciting, I have to admit. And to be honest, I'm probably one of the only millennials left in 2019 who's never really tried to meditate or I feel like I've never actually got it to work. And I feel like it's because I can never clear my head. But listening to you and researching about what you do, I realize that I'm totally wrong. And you don't need to clear your head. You don't need to have so much time. You said it's twice a day, 15 minutes a day. So let's talk about the misconceptions about meditation. What are some things that we should just get out the door? So any of my listeners who are kind of afraid like me of actually meditating and haven't really taken that step, like what are the misconceptions that you just want to get out the door? Yeah. When you hit the nail on the head, you hit the top two. And the first is, well, I can't meditate because I can't clear my mind. So the really good news here is that you don't have to be able to magically clear your mind in order to get all of these benefits that I'm talking about. And I actually dedicated my whole book to anyone who has tried meditation and felt like a failure. You're not a failure, you just haven't been taught yet or you haven't found a technique that's been designed for you. So the good news here is that the mind thinks involuntarily, just like the heart beats involuntarily. So trying to give your brain a command to stop thinking is as impactful as trying to give your heart a command to stop beating. It doesn't work. And yet this is the criteria by which everyone is judging themselves as to whether or not they can meditate, and then they feel like they're failing, and then they quit. Because none of us will do anything for very long that we feel like we're failing at. And so, Step one, even if you're having thoughts, you're not a failure, but it is a skill, okay? It does require some training. So a lot of people think they should just magically know how to meditate already, but you wouldn't just magically start speaking Japanese tomorrow or magically mm. start tap dancing tomorrow. Like you'd have to be taught those skills. And same thing with meditation. It, it does require a technique that's designed for you and some training. And then to your second point about the time piece, Look, none of us have time to waste, okay? Our time is our most valuable resource. A lot of people are working two jobs. A lot of people are working parents. You know, we're all busy. And so if you are even spending your time on meditation versus investing your time in meditation, then I would say you need to examine what techniques you're using. Because again, none of us have time to waste or spend. So if I asked you to give away 15 precious minutes of your day, and you did not get more time, more productivity, more energy back, then that's a waste in my book. Mm. And, and that's what most people are doing. They're getting a free app because they're like, oh, meditation's so trendy and cool. Let me download this app so I can be like one of the cool kids. They never invest any real time in learning how to do it. So they're spending 10, mm -hmm. 15 minutes a day total on this thing that maybe they feel a little better on the other side, but it's not really providing significant return on investment. They're not seeing significant changes in their cognitive or physical performance. And then it goes into the cute category that I'll get around to when I have more time. And what I'm offering is that if you have a technique that is designed for you, and if you invest the time on the front end to learn how to do it properly, mm -hmm. then you're going to see very quickly that you are investing your time in meditation. And then the question becomes, are you willing to invest 2% of your day, which is 15 minutes twice a day? Are you willing to invest that so that the other 98% of your life can be more amazing, so that your sleep can be more efficient, so you can have better sex, so you can be more present with your kids, so you can crush it at work, so that you can achieve all the things that you want to achieve, yes, but more importantly, enjoy yourself along the way. And so really the only thing I wanna 
put out there is that if you're not getting a return on your investment from meditation, then you should consider changing techniques. Yeah. Because they're not all created equal. Totally. You hinted at something before, which is all like the rage around mindfulness and all the apps and the YouTube videos and the in-person domes you can go attend for this guided meditation. And I think there's like an issue out there where people are using mindfulness and meditation really as synonyms when they're two completely different things. So can you just explain to our listeners the difference between mindfulness and meditation? Sure. And thanks for highlighting this. Now, I want to start by saying that I'm in the minority here. Okay. I'm like kind of beating my own drum on my own parade here. But I do think that it's important that we start to be specific with our vernacular as these techniques and tools are getting so popular. It's important that we know the differences between them because even though almost everything we eat is called food, eating a cheeseburger is going to do a very different thing to your body than having a kale salad, right? Like they're just different foods. And same with these mental techniques. They do different things to the body. And what we teach at Ziva, the Ziva technique is actually a trifecta of mindfulness, meditation, and manifesting, the three M's. Okay, so it's not that one is better than the other, but they are different. And so mindfulness I would define as the art of bringing your awareness into the present moment. And this is why people say cooking is my meditation. This is why people say, well, I meditate when I'm walking in the woods. What they're saying is I'm present when I cook. Mm -hmm. I am being conscious when I walk in the woods. I am consciously bringing my awareness into the present moment. But I would say that those are mindful activities and they are perhaps meditative, but it's different than how I would define meditation, which is where you are accessing a verifiable fourth state of consciousness different than waking, sleeping, or dreaming, where you're giving your body rest that's five times deeper than sleep, and where you are de-exciting your nervous system so that the lifetime of accumulated stresses can start to come up and out. So the simple framework here is that mindfulness is very good at dealing with your stress in the now, like a state change, versus meditation is very good at getting rid of your stress from the past, which is ultimately creating a trait change. It is changing your cells. It is healing your epigenetics. And I would argue that that is really where the return on investment comes. Because yes, a state change is nice, but it's like taking an aspirin when you have a headache. It's dealing with the symptom. Whereas the meditation is going into the root cause. Why are you getting the headache to begin with? Where did this stress come from? Why are you feeling over? overwhelmed. That's so interesting. And it's so powerful because it really clicks that like mindfulness is a state change. Meditation is a trait change. One is short term, one is long term. So obviously, where do we want to invest our time in the long term to actually help cure the root problem? Mm -hmm. So thanks for clearing that up. Let's talk about your Z technique. This is your meditation technique that you teach at Ziva. Like you mentioned, it's done 15 minutes a day, two times a day, brings about deep healing rest, five times deeper than sleep. You have entire courses about this. You have a book called Stress Less, Accomplish More. I encourage everyone to go out and buy that book and learn more about it. You make things very accessible for people in terms of like the cost it is to learn meditation. So I think that's a really great thing that you're doing for the world. But let's talk about the Z technique. I know you've written so much about it, but is there any way that you can kind of tell us what it is at a high level so we can start to understand what do you do actually to do your Z technique? Sure. So just to kind of frame it for us. So The Z technique, which I write about in the book, is a kind of a gentler adaptation of the Ziva technique. Mm. So there's three ways that people can learn. One is in the book, as you mentioned, stress less, accomplish more. And then for people who like a little bit more guidance, they want a little bit more instruction, just a deeper understanding, then there's Ziva Online, which is our 15-day online training. And then I also teach live in New York and LA. And that course is two hours a day for four days. And in Ziva Online and Ziva Live, I'm teaching the full Ziva technique, which is the mindfulness, meditation, and manifesting. And then I just made it a little bit gentler for the book. And that's by design because this practice is not a toy. It's not a joke. It is the most powerful type of meditation I've ever found. And because you are healing a lifetime of old stuff, it can create a bit of a catharsis. You know, there can be an initial phase of 
like emotional and physical detox that can happen mm-hmm. in the brain and body. And that's really my job to help people through it. And so the in-person is like the Maserati and the online is like a great Toyota. And then the book is an adorable Vespa. <laughs> They're all going to get you there. You know, it's just a matter of how fast you want to go and how much support can I give you as you're moving through that initial purging process. But in all the book, Ziva Online or Ziva Live, people do learn all three M's. And so what we start with is the mindfulness. And we use that almost as an appetizer, as a runway into that deep healing rest of meditation. And we use a really simple technique called come to your senses, which is where you're just using your five senses as a tool to ground yourself into the body, into the right now. And then we move into the meditation portion, which is really where people need the most guidance because it's so different from what we've been taught to think of as quote unquote meditation. Like a lot of the apps, the YouTube videos, the drop-in studios that you mentioned, most of them are teaching what I would call mindfulness. Mm. And so it just takes me quite a while to teach people how to surrender, how to let go, how to be easier and lazier with the meditation portion. And then we move on to the manifesting and manifesting It sounds hippy-dippy, it sounds woo-woo, it's really not. It is the world's highest performers are all doing this. Olympic athletes are doing this. It's you consciously creating a life you love. It's you getting intentional about what you want your life to look like. And I'm always amazed at how infrequently most people are doing this, Mm -hmm. asking questions like, how much money do I wanna make this year? What's my dream relationship look like? You know, what is my dream vacation look like? What does my relationship with my body want to feel like? And what we do is that we use the sacred time after meditation to start to ask these questions, to start to imagine the dream as if it's happening now. And if there's a trick to manifesting, that's it. It's just imagining your dream as if it is your current reality. And what I found is that the combination of meditation and manifesting is so much more powerful than either one alone. We'll be right back after a quick break from our sponsors. Young and profiters, I'm about to be jet-setting all over the world. I'm going to London, Cancun, New Orleans, and New York to speak. I'm going to be up there with the bright lights, and I want to be spiffy. I want to look fresh. And so I'm going on a big shopping spree. I got to get clothes. I got to get hair stuff, skincare stuff, makeup. But I'm not going to feel guilty about this shopping spree because Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Rakuten is the shopping platform for savvy savers. From May 6th to May 13th, they're having their biggest cashback event of the year. I'm talking about 15% cashback at hundreds of stores with additional cashback bonuses. And they've got so many stores participating in their big give week. So when it comes to clothes, I'm looking at Splendid and Good American. And when it comes to beauty, they've got so many good stores participating. They've got Ulta, Fenty, Bobby Brown, Blue Mercury, and all the products that we love, now we can get cash back. It's like getting a discount on the stuff you're gonna buy anyway. It's absolutely amazing. They even have travel brands, so that's gonna be super convenient for me with all my upcoming trips. Expedia, Hotels.com. You can get deals on everything from electronics to home goods to travel and beauty. Young and profiters, you're gonna wanna grab this limited time deal with both hands. You get high cash back rates for only eight days. So hurry, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app at R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Young and profiters, are you dreaming about starting a course? Do you want to go from one-to-one to to one-to-many and scale yourself? If you're thinking about starting a course, then you need to hear about Kajabi. Kajabi is the OG of course platforms. I've got creators in my network like Jenna Kutcher and Amy Porterfield who have been using Kajabi for over a decade. These ladies know what they're doing. They are literally the course queens. And so I took a page from their playbook and I started using Kajabi. I've been playing around with it because I'm launching a podcast course next month and I need a lot of features that only a course platform would have like Kajabi. And they've thought of it all. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and so 
much more. One of the smartest things that I did when I launched my course is I focused on the content. I lasered in on that. I made sure people were getting the best investment they could, that I wouldn't get any refunds, that people would tell their friends and my course would be successful by word of mouth. And I did that by focusing on my content, what I was good at and not all the tech. Leave the tech stuff for your course to Kajabi. They are experts in that area and they've thought of everything that you would ever need for your course. So if you wanna start your course, now is your chance. As you guys may know, I always ask my sponsors for a free trial for any software that we talk about on the show and Kajabi was super generous. They gave us a free 30-day trial that you can get at kajabi.com slash profiting. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash profiting. That's K-A-J-A-B-I.com slash profiting. Go to kajabi.com slash profiting and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Young and profiters, we are all making money. But is your money hustling for you? Meaning, are you investing? Putting your savings in the bank is just doing you a total disservice. You got to beat inflation. I've been investing heavily for years. I've got an E-Trade account. I've got a Robinhood account. And it used to be such a pain to manage all of my accounts. I'd hop from platform to platform. I'd always forget my Fidelity password. And then I have to reset my password. I knew that needed to change because I need to keep track of all my stuff. Everything got better once I started using Yahoo Finance, the sponsor of today's episode. You can securely link up all of your investment accounts in Yahoo Finance for one unified view of your wealth. They've got stock analyst ratings. They have independent research. I can customize charts and choose what metrics I want to display for all my stocks so I can make the best decisions. I can even dig into financial statements and balance sheets of the companies that I'm curious about. Whether you're a seasoned investor or looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Yeah. So sticking on manifestation, I think a lot of people do this wrong. So I heard you say in the past that people worship the state of the now when in fact they should really be thinking about the future state. So can you talk about the correct way to manifest? Yeah, so the thing I'm highlighting is that what a lot of us are worshiping is how far we have to go. We accidentally put our attention on the space between where we are and where we think we should be. And that is the definition of stress. You know, when am I going to get that job? When am I going to get a boyfriend? Why can't I lose this weight? And so then we're accidentally watering the weeds where what we want to be doing is watering the flowers. We want to put our attention on the things that we want to grow. And so the trick to manifesting is imagining. So first of all, asking the question, you know, what's one thing I would love and then listening for the answer. And then in this sacred time at the end of the meditation, going through and allowing that to be a fun, visceral, five sensory experience versus, you know, we think we're manifesting, we think we're praying, but we're secretly complaining. And that takes a bit of training because the other thing that happens for folks is that they think, okay, well, I'm imagining winning the Oscar, you know, and I'm standing on stage and I'm giving my thank you speech, but then the brain immediately goes to, well, how am I going to win an Oscar? I've never even been in a movie yet. You know, how am I going to win an Oscar when I don't even know anyone in Hollywood? Or like, We start to immediately solve for the how and the when, mm -hmm. whereas our job is to be in the what and the why. Yeah. How does meditation keep us from dwelling in the past? And why is it so important to not dwell in the past? Well, meditation is taking your right brain to the gym and your right brain is in charge of right now. It is in charge of present moment. It's why you actually become more mindful as a byproduct of meditation. Because as you take that right brain to the gym every day, twice a day, you can't help but be more present, more conscious in the rest of your life. And... While we don't want to dwell on the past, I do think we have to look at it. We have to examine it. We have to be mm -hmm. honest about it. We have to heal it. We have to bless it and thank it. Because without healing our trauma from the past, without really facing our shadows, 
without doing the meditation work and getting rid of those traumas, those stresses that have been stored in our cells, then it's very hard to manifest because then you have a ton of limiting beliefs that you're not even aware of and you have to first become aware of them in order to heal them. And so it's, it's not about just ignoring the past and just trudging forward. It's about taking whatever time you need to really truly heal it, to forgive it so that you can have all of your faculties available to you in the present moment. And according to the Vedas, you know, the present moment is the future in the making. Mm. And so if we're wasting our cycles constantly reviewing the past, then we don't have as many cycles available to us for the right now. And the more present we are right now, you know, again, the higher quality seeds we're planting for the future. Yeah. So this obviously sounds very appealing out there. I'm sure there's a lot of ex-meditators that are listening, a lot of people who have never meditated before. Are there any baby steps that you suggest to kind of wean ourselves to start meditating? And is there an adoption period before meditation can become a habit? No, I think this is a bit of a misconception. I don't think you need to do anything to prepare. I would not recommend baby steps, honestly, Mm. at least for Ziva, okay? Because Ziva is meant to take you from zero to 100. Like you don't have to go get like X, Y, and Z before you start Ziva because it really is meant to start you from nothing. The caveat to that would be if you have very recent and very extreme trauma, like if someone is just coming off of a battlefield or if you're dealing with you know, schizophrenia or multiple or like MPD, you know, something where there's a severe psychosis happening, then perhaps I would say maybe wait on Ziva for a minute, get in therapy, start with some mindfulness. If you're dealing with very, very severe depression or recent trauma, but for the other 99% of us, I say just start. And by start, I mean, get training. Do not expect yourself to magically be able to sit down and close your eyes. That's what our parents used to do to us to torture us or to be mean to us when we, when we were or not or mean, but like to punish us. You know, it's like go sit in the corner and sit there. It's not enjoyable if you don't know what you're doing. And so I really think the best step is to just find a teacher that you respect, find a technique that you feel like is designed for someone like you and not a monk and then start the training. And then what you're gonna see is that it all becomes quite innocent, it all becomes quite enjoyable. But if you try and like muscle your way through and magically just figure out how to do it on your own, it's like throwing a five-year-old in a pool who doesn't know how to swim. Might they flounder their way into staying afloat and might they be able to swim to the edge? Maybe but they could also drown. And so it's like, why not just start with swim lessons? It's so much easier. Yeah, I think that's great advice. So I'd like to begin to close out my show with some use cases, getting your tips for some real life scenarios that I came up with. And, you know, whether that's meditation or some other way that you think you can solve the problem. So use case number one, you're about to get on stage in front of thousands of people to give a speech. How do you calm your nerves and get rid of stage fright? Yes. Well, I just did this. I just spoke for my biggest crowd ever. It was 3,500 people in Toronto. And I was opening for Elizabeth Gilbert and Seth Godin and Lisa Nichols and my friend Todd Herman. It was super fun, Mm -hmm. but also, you know, nerve wracking and you want to do a great job. And so what I do is I definitely meditate that morning. So I wake up and meditate first thing. And then right before I go on stage, I will do one or both of the following. Something called balancing breath, which is a really simple technique where you're closing the right and left nostrils, which helps to balance the right and left hemispheres of the brain. And I have a video of that at zivameditation.com. You can search for balancing breath. Or if you get the book, it's one of the techniques I teach in the book as far as our book bonuses. And then the other thing I'll do is power poses. And this I learned from, I think her name is Amy Cuddy, who wrote Presence. I will do power poses while also doing breath work. And I used one of hers, I give her credit in the book, but I call it superpower pose because you're just kind of like igniting your superpowers and assuming the position of a superhero. But the one I like is where you're just like Wonder Woman or Superman Mm -hmm. and arms on your hips, feet really wide. I will throw on a smile and then I'll do breath of fire, you know, shoulders back, chest and heart open and do some of that breath work so that when I come on stage, I'm really energized. I'm open and available versus letting my body react to any fear that might be going on. Very cool. And I can vouch for power posing. I personally do that when I'm nervous before an interview and it really helps to get you in the right headspace. 
Thank you. So use case number two. You're about to go on an interview for your dream job. How do you show up as your best self? Well, same thing. I would still do balancing breath. I would still do power poses, you know, beforehand, obviously. But then I think what I would also add to that would be in my meditation that morning, in the manifesting section, I would imagine the interview going dream case magic wand scenario, that it's funny, engaging, kind, the conversation flows really elegantly, and that I'm imagining my dream case scenario so that when I get in the room, it's not the first time it's happened. Awesome. Use case number three. Your friends seem to be able to fit everything in their day, but for you, you just seem too busy. You're too busy to go to the gym, too busy to take on that side hustle. You can't fit anything that you want to do in your schedule. How can meditation help combat this? Well, sounds like this person needs to meditate because (laughs) here's the thing. I know it can seem totally incomprehensible the idea of going to the gym or changing your food or adding in meditation but that is because most of us are so exhausted we're so overwhelmed we're allowing social media to run us we're so addicted to our phones that any free time isn't free because we're filling it with technology and screens you know which is lessening the quality of our sleep and then we're waking up not feeling rejuvenated so like I get that it's easy to get on that hamster wheel but something has to give and what I've seen happen thousands thousands of times over. I've taught 20,000 people to meditate. And what I see happen is if you can just change one habit, if you can simply start meditating, it will make all the other habits so much easier. It will make your sleep better so that you feel less overwhelmed. You will start to be able to hear your priorities a little bit clearer. So you're not judging yourself based on everyone else's achievements. You will start to find that you're able to get more done in less time so that you have a little bit more time available to go to the gym. You will find that because you're not constantly in fight or flight, you're not reaching to as many survival foods or comfort foods that you're able to eat intuitively Mm. versus out of comfort. And so it really, step one is you got to get out of fight or flight because that chronic fatigue, that chronic fight or flight is what's making us make all these terrible decisions. Yeah. Awesome. So I have a new tradition to end my show with this question. What is your secret to profiting in life? Hmm. Well, I guess in this case, we're defining profiting as a return on investment. So we're getting out more than we're putting in or we're getting out more than we're spending. And I think that ultimately, if you have a tool that allows you to listen to your own intuition, then life flows pretty elegantly that you always get more than you put in because you're not having to do it by yourself. Most of us are so used to running through life like white knuckling our dreams and using only our left brain individuality. And what meditation does is that it allows you to start to use your right brain. So you're tapping into the collective consciousness. You're tapping into collective intelligence. So your intuition starts to lead the way and life becomes so much easier and so much more enjoyable. Amazing. Where can our listeners go to learn more about you and everything that you do? So the easiest place is our website, zivameditation.com. And that's Z like zebra, I, V like Victor, A. So zivameditation.com. And people can find the online course, our live courses, and the book are all listed there. And then we're all over social media, just at zivameditation. I'd say Instagram is probably our most fun platform. Cool. Well, I had such a great time. I think our listeners are going to really enjoy this conversation. It's my first entire episode focused on meditation. I often touch on it here and there during interviews, but it's something that people really wanted to hear about and I can't wait to get it out. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me and congratulations on everything you've created. I know you're helping a lot of folks. Thank you. 